This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is April 1st, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you've been with Hofstra Radio. Eileen Cronin. And I started here in about 1991. And I do you want me to go on and tell you how I got here? Sure, absolutely. Okay. I got a job at Motor Vehicle. And in Motor Vehicle, I met Pat Thompson, who was from County Cavan in Ireland. And Pat called me up and asked me if I would uh, come down to the uh, Radio Hofstra University on the Long Island show and answer the phone for him. So I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, that sounds good. I'd like to do that. So that's what I did, and I'm still here. Wow. So you started working at the DMV, and you met Pat. Pat Thompson, yes. Pat was selling chances for handicapped children. So he wasn't working there. He wasn't going to renew his license. He just happened to be there, and you two struck up a conversation about Ireland? No, he knew that I liked Irish music. Some and some lady that was working there behind the counter knew that I liked Irish music, and she said, "Why don't you go and talk to him?" Uh, because he has an Irish radio show. So I said, "Okay," and uh, that's what I did. And then after a while, uh, he asked me if I'd come down. In fact, we went out on a couple of dates. His wife, uh, Bridget, had uh, passed away, so that's what we did. We went out a couple of times, and he asked me if I'd come down, and I'd answer the phone. And I said, "Sure." I'm still here. Wow, that's uh, that that's quite an entrance. We we've have all kinds of <laughs> interesting stories about how people made their way to the radio station, but I think that's the first one involving the DMV. That's I, I like that story <laughs> to start. <laughs> it so, was some job, boy. Let me tell you. So so, did you have any idea of what a radio station would look like, or what this would be, or did you just sort of go open minded and say, "Well, we'll see what it is." No, I just figured, you know, uh, he seemed like a nice man. We went out a couple of times. I used to do most of the driving. And we just, uh, and then I came down. When I first came here, we were down underneath the stairs. You know where the museum is? There's a museum up there. And whenever it rained, it flooded into the studio. I didn't have any idea of what it was like at a radio station, only something you would see on television or in the movies. But I didn't think anything about it. I figured it was worth the shot. I, I'd try it out, and that's what I did. Wow. So uh, for those of us who weren't there at the same time or uh, or didn't know much about Pat's show, could you talk about when it was on the air and, and maybe how long and how he hosted the show? Well, he was on the show a long time before uh, uh, before I got there anyway. And the name of the show came from a man that was writing a column for the Irish Echo. He was the man that named the show the Long Ireland Show. So when I came there, I wound up going down into the basement and answering the phone down there in the basement of the where the museum is now. And then they gradually moved it to different places. And I worked with Pat exactly eight and a half years. And Jeff Krause was here then. And a short while after I worked with Pat, with Jeff Krause, uh, I was there, as I said, with uh, Pat for eight and a half years. Jeff Krause, I don't know if he retired or he just left. And then Bruce Avery came in, and Bruce came in as the general manager. 
and Pat decided to retire. And he decided to turn the show over to me after eight and a half years of him being there with me. So I had to write out a letter for Pat, and he, what, what Bruce called it, was grandfathered me in. So I was in charge of writing out the letter. So I wrote out the letter for Pat, and I wrote him, told him what I said. And after I told him what I said, Bruce wanted me to read the letter to Pat to make sure he understood what he was signing. So that's what I did. And uh, then he signed it there in front of Bruce, and I took over the show. Wow. So from that unlikely conversation at, at DMV, and now you are signing up to be the host of a radio show that had been on for, for quite some time. I don't remember when Pat started it. And I think at the time it was on Saturday afternoons, I, I want to say for maybe two to four o'clock. Does that sound no, right? No, no, it was only on for one hour when I first joined Pat. He was on the air for one hour and there was a man and the man, I can't think of his name right now, but he was the original uh, host of the of a show, the Irish show at Hofstra. I can't think of his name now. I think it was Tony something. Uh, and he's he's now doing a show up in the Catskills. But he was on the radio program before Pat Thompson, and he did a one-hour show. When Pat Thompson took over the show, he did a one-hour show. And when Pat and I did the show, we did it for one hour. And eventually, after being with Pat, I said to him, you know what, Pat, we're here together. Why don't we do two hours? He said, you think so? You think we could do two hours? I said, sure, why not? You can do one hour, you can do two hours. So eventually, that's what we did. We did a two-hour show, the two of us together, and then he decided to retire. When he retired, he told me that I could use his CDs because I didn't have any CDs of my own, really. And he said I could use his CDs to continue doing the two, two hours. So that's what I did. I went to his house, and I wrote up the shows using his CDs. And then after the show was over, I'd bring the CDs back to his house to make sure he got back all his CDs. That went on every Saturday for a while. And then eventually I got enough of my own CDs. Okay. It's very generous of Pat. I, I remember him being a very kind and, and generous person. So that, mm. uh, that seems to make sense. And the other Irish show host that I was, I was at the station from 1990 to 94. And mm -hmm. at the time Pat was on uh, earlier and then Tony Jackson did Irish country from five to 8 PM on Saturdays. Correct. Right. So Pat Thompson must've been on from three to four maybe. And then we went on from three to five, I guess. That sounds right. That right. sounds right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So obviously you had been spending time working on the show and answering the phones and, and I'm sure having some input, but when you took over the show, what were your expectations? What were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you scared? What were you thinking about? No, I just liked it. I have been uh, living with Irish music my entire life because uh, my mother and father were from County Cork, the both of them, and all my relatives and stuff. And this is the way I was raised with Irish music. So it's something that was, and I always thought it was something in my heart, but I have come to realize that it was something that's in my soul, my very soul. It might sound strange to people, but it's not strange because it is something that is interred in my soul, the Irish music. It's just something that's there, and it's just a fabulous thing to me, and that's all that's to it. Hmm. 
That's uh, that's very powerful. I think a lot of people can identify with music doing something for their heart, for their soul, for for their their sense of peace. But this is this is a lifelong journey with you, with uh, like you said, growing up with your parents' music, and then and then making that something of your own. That's correct, because like anybody that would come to our house, I was the oldest child. Don't tell anybody I tell you that. There was four of us, and I was the oldest. Now, when we lived in, we lived in the Bronx, and when anybody came to the house, the door was always open. If a man came, it was my, uh, we'll say, my duty or my job to go to the cabinet in the kitchen and get out this bottle and give the man uh, this glass and a bit of whiskey in it and a glass with some water in it and then put on the kettle. And the music was always on in the house. There was always Dorothy Hayden or the father, and there was Irish music playing. Somebody came over from Ireland, they came to our house. They went back to Ireland, they went. They stopped at our house first. So there was always a great sharing of Irishness. People, my mother's sisters and her one of her brothers always was in the area. We always lived near each other, no matter what. And I don't know, that's the way it was. It was always family and Irish music and togetherness and watching out for each other. If somebody needed a dollar or a pound or a pound of bacon or a pound of butter, somebody was there for them, and that was all it was doing. No Mm. questions asked. That was one of the things that struck me about learning about uh, the Irish music programs on Hofstra Radio and the community. And if if you didn't know, especially for, for someone coming out of high school and joining the station, you think the most popular programs on the station are Irish country music. And it was just, it just wasn't something we expected. But then you spent time, whether you're engineering or answering phones or working on the marathons, you just saw how passionate people were about the music and everybody seemed to know everybody else, which was a really nice thing. Yeah, but there is a difference, though, between the Irish music and the Irish country. There's a That's difference true. there. Yeah. And it's just, I I can't explain it to you. I just can't. I've seen some, uh, there's a man, Lord of Mercy, and he passed away. His name was Dennis Callery. Now, I've watched him when he was here, and also uh, one of the wolf tones, Derek Warfield, I believe it is, see him play. There are some men when you see them play or some women that you can see the music coming out of their souls. That probably sounds ridiculous to you, but to me it's not because they were musicians and singers, but then there are musicians and there are singers that this comes from their souls. I saw it in Dennis Gallery. I saw it in Dennis, uh, Derek Warfield. I just, I, I can't tell you. I just know it's there and I know it's in me and I, that's the way it is. And I know I'm going off on a tangent and I told you that before. If you want to steer me back on some other road, please tell me. I just. <laughs> I, we're, we're here for the stories, but let's, let's, let us go back to you taking over the show. And this was about the time. What year did you take over the show? Let's start there. I would take over altogether. Maybe? Yes. Yes. Um, let's see. 91. Must have been around nine or uh, nine years after 91, 91. Okay. I can't so, add. I don't know. So, one and of the I'm, reasons I ask is that Bruce Avery took over as general manager in January of 1994. And then over the next couple of years, he made a policy that community volunteers would have to take a training program. 
I was in the first training class with Pat Thompson and Tony Jackson and whoever else was in that first training class I was in there. And do you remember anything that you learned in those classes? Earned or learned? What did you say? What uh, Do you remember anything that you learned in those classes? Any, oh, yeah. Anything that someone taught you or something that was new to you? Well, because I didn't know how to run the board. So you learned how to run the board. You learned everything with that board that existed then. But since then, that board and the whole economics of the program has changed, I think, like three times. What do you mean the economics have changed? Because I could not run that that board today from the way I learned it when I first took that uh, uh, test years ago. That two that week two week test, you had to become engineering cleared. Um, I forget now the three tests that you had to take: engineering combination cleared and another one. There was three tests you had to pass. Probably an announcing test. Yes, announcing and engineering cleared. There was three tests, and you had to pass with a ninety-five. And I was amazed because I passed with a ninety-five. Well, you've been doing things a little while, and and you sound like a smart person, so I'm sure you picked it up and and made it work for you. I was very proud of myself, to be quite honest. But you had different bosses in between that changed things. Uh, you had this man, Joel, who changed things, and everything had to be done according to their plan. So then things kept changing all the time. And one time I can remember that before you played a song on air, you had to enter it into, I think it was seven or eight different categories. And I thought, holy mackerel, how am I going to get this show ready for Saturday? It was just wild stuff. That was all there was to it. But you went along with the with what you were told that had to be done, and that's what you did. I imagine that would have been something to do with digital access to the files. When you're talking about digital or stuff like that, you're talking to the wrong person. I don't know. Okay. Don't well, it sounds like you went along with it and did what you had to do to, to keep running the station. You mentioned Joel Meyer. You mentioned Bruce Avery. Mm-hmm. Who else was, was helpful in, in making sure that you knew what was going on at the station and you could do the best show possible? I don't know, but whoever the devil it was, I did it. I'm an obedient person. I went to Catholic school, and that's the way it was. You did what you were told to do, but there was somebody else after Joel Meyer, and don't ask me who it was, but I did what I was supposed to do, and that's all I can tell you. Um, Given that you had spent some time at the station, and I'm sure a few people knew you, uh, at least uh, folks who were there on the weekend, um, did you feel comfortable socially at the station? Did you feel like there were people that were supporting you and making you feel welcome uh, as you became uh, the regular host? I would guess so, because I'm still here. (laughs) Excellent answer. Excellent answer. How long did it take you to feel comfortable uh, as host, did it, was it uh, an immediate thing? Did it take a few months, maybe a year or so? When do you feel like you really knew what you were doing as the host of the program? Well, I guess I must have settled in right away because I didn't leave. I mean, I'm here, and I went out getting, collecting CDs because I belong to a lot of different Irish organizations, and people just helped me out and did whatever they could to help me. And I collected CDs. If I didn't buy them, people donated them to me. And I started out with like three CDs. And I, you would be surprised at the amount of CDs I got. I, I, I almost want to ask you how many CDs you have, but I'm guessing you don't know. I would say maybe uh, over 1,000, wow. 1,500, I don't know. 
So in preparing your show every week, you've got a thousand or so CDs and all this. How do you go about preparing for a show? I open a drawer. Now I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine drawers full of CDs, plus they're stacked up on top of this bureau in the bedroom. And then there's a C. I have two bureaus. I, I think I live in a... Um, uh, what would you call it? It's not a rummage store, but I have uh, antiques of my mother and father. They're two bureaus from when they got married in 1934. And um, in one of the drawers is um, just music, plain music. And um, that's where the music is altogether. The rest of the drawers in the bedroom is a bureau and two you know, night tables. Mm-hmm. And they're full of CDs with songs. And on top of one of them is a stack of one, two, three, four, five stacks of CDs on top of one of them that must have about maybe 200 or 50 or something like that of CDs on top of them that are Christmas, they're patriotic, a lot of different things on top of them. Old, old time is up there too like the old time with Ruthie Morrissey and stuff like that. But there's a lot of stuff, so I pick a drawer to go into one day, and I just open it, and I start there. Wow. Do you ever find you have trouble keeping track of where things are, or you think of a particular artist, and do you know where that CD is going to be, or does it take you some time to figure it out? No, because right now they're in a a mix-up, and they need to be alphabetized. Do you want to come mm. over? You got any free time? <laughs> sure. Why not? We'll put on some music and we'll alphabetize. It'll there be fun. you go. There you go. I need to be <laughs> alphabetized. I Sometimes I get lazy about it and they need to be alphabetized and there's nobody that's going to help me unless you want to volunteer. Right. I do make good t- Irish tea and Irish soda bread. So if you want to come over and give me a hand, I'd love to help. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So you so you plan this out. I guess you write a playlist, and then you bring your obviously you bring your own music into the station, and and have to sort of lug that back and forth. Is that um, do you, do you ever keep stuff at the station so that's easily no, accessible? No, or, no, 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 no. I, I I pick out CDs, take them out, put them on the table in the living room. I live in a three room apartment, so I put the CDs on the table. Then I pick up a CD and I decide what song I'm going to play. Sometimes I'll pick two or three CDs out of one CD to make it easier for myself to carry the stuff. So then I'll decide what songs I'm going to play. I write down the name of the artist, the song, and then the number of the C uh, that's on the CD. And this could take me maybe two days to get it done. And then I get this magazine that's called Ireland's Own. Mm-hmm. And out of there, I take little-known facts that I tell to the listeners. And that's part of my show and part of interviews with people and stuff like that. So, Wow. So so you put in, I, I'm, I'm guessing, a couple of hours of preparation for your show every week. It's more like a day and a half, two days. Wow. I that's ask, a lot of dedication. It is. I did ask for a raise and I got a great pad, but that didn't work too good. <laughs> yeah. So if you could think back mm-hmm. to the time that, that Pat's deciding that he's going to retire as host and, and you're going to take over, um, what did you expect 
it was going to be? Did you have an idea of how long you were going to do it or what it would be like? What were your expectations as you got started? You want to know the truth? I didn't have any. I just thought, wow, that's something. Okay, I'll do this. And that was about the size of it. And that's it? Yeah. And you Could know, you, uh, on top of that, I was going to start a new job because this woman was hassling me to death in motor vehicle. And at the same time, my mother was in Sloan Kettering and my sister at the same time. And somebody stole something from me, belonged to them in the washroom. So somebody told me about a job in the bankruptcy court. So I decided that I was going to go there. So I quit the job in motor vehicle on Friday and I started the job in bankruptcy court on Monday. And then I started the job with Pat Thompson. So everything changed in a matter of days and everything worked out fine. And here I am. Wow. That is, that is quite a journey. And again, from that, from that random conversation or somewhat random conversation and, and here you are all all these years later, um, it's, it's quite a spectacular journey and, uh, and we appreciate all the time and dedication and effort you put into all of your shows. But it's Irish music. So what else can you do? You have to do it. I do not have to do it. I just love it. That's all. Let's do it. And right. it's this is what I want to do. This is this is what I do. This is what I love. And this is what my father and mother, I guess maybe with more my father, I don't know. I don't know. But I just love the Irish music. And it's my Irishness in my soul. I told you that I can't help it. That's the way it is. I don't know. God, I don't know. Well, it sounds like you've had a lot of fun over the years doing this program. I sure as hell have. <laughs> and I don't expect it to stop either. Well, we thank you very much for, for all the, the hours and years of dedication and effort that's gone into this. And, and I greatly appreciate you sharing your stories about joining the radio station and, and everything that goes into it. And uh, if I come up with some more questions, do you think you might have some more stories? Sure, I got a load of them. Well, I, I look forward to hearing those. Thank you so much for your time. Listen, it's been fun. Take care of yourself, will you please? <laughs>